Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We're in class number 64. We have been discussing the subject of De'aga, of worry. We must remember when it comes to this subject of De'aga, the words of the Havot Levavot in Sha'ar Yehuda Ma'aseh. What do you mean? It says over there that the Yetzer Hara is especially active in this area. He says over there he talks about the different battles that the Yeshara wages with people. And one of them he says, Yishtadel lehachnis hadeagot belibecha. Which means he will try to bring worry into your mind. Wulhatmid alecha hayegonim. And he will try to bring you into thoughts of pain and agony and fear and all that comes with that. Which means that de'aga is not only things that we naturally go through as people, but it's actually one of the weapons of the Yetzirah. Now, the reason why that's important to know is because when you're dealing with an enemy, like every army in the world, you need a strategy. When you're dealing with a situation that comes up, so you have a solution and you move on. But when you're dealing with an enemy that uses this weapon called de'aga, so you must strategize, which means the easy answers we have given some answers to this question, but the easy answers don't always work. And you always have to be ready for plan B and sometimes plan C. Because just as you thought you got it, he hits you from a different angle and you didn't get what you thought you got or it hit you in a different way and you didn't realize so therefore, when it comes to this area, because we're battling a Yetzahara, we must have different plans to make sure that we're never caught off guard. And if we are, we must also have a solution for that. A good army doesn't only know how to attack, but it also knows how to lose and yet not lose at all. It's also part of being a good army. To be down, but to still stay strong and recover. So we're going to be sharing different words of advice on the subject of de'aga. Personally, I don't feel comfortable giving advice on this subject or any subject actually. And I don't feel comfortable getting advice from anyone unless I know especially on subjects like these that it's so far-reaching and so relevant to every moment of my life, I'm not ready to hand it over 
to any expert who decides he has a theory or an idea because to trust someone with something like this, the person has to be coming from a very high place, someone experienced, someone who knows what he's talking about. And I don't think we're going to be able to find someone better than Shlomo HaMelech. That's going to give us guidance. It's not his guidance, it's the wisdom of Hashem. How to guide a person through this journey of being a warrior. There are different ways that people deal with worries. Some people just keep quiet and keep to themselves. Some people, they distract themselves, they'll put on news all day long or watch things or, or get involved with different things. Some people like to talk a lot to distract themselves. Some people like to laugh a lot. Some people like to cry a lot. Some people like to sleep a lot. Everyone's got their own strategy of how to deal with worry, with the aga. But let's listen to the words of Shlomo HaMelech. It's important to know that Shlomo HaMelech is a man who was blessed with the wisdom of the Creator. So therefore, any plan that we have to fight something, we need to find it somewhere in His words. Otherwise, we have to be concerned that we have something that may look good, but isn't going to get us to the right place. Listen to these words. Says Shalomo, De'aga belev ish. He says, if you have worry in your mind, yashhena, yashhena, yud, shin, het, ne, nun, he. What does yashhena mean? So if you have worry, yashhena. Says the Ralbag that Yashhena means to lower it. What does that mean to lower it? It means that inside the human mind, there are thoughts that are right in the front, right on top. They're the ones that we think about actively all the time. And then there's information that's also in the mind but is on the bottom. It's there if you want to pull it up, but you're not actively thinking about it. Which means, when he says, it means that if you have worries on your mind, while you won't be able to get rid of it, because it's in your mind, but he says, lower it. Put it somewhere on the bottom. Don't think about it. How does a person do that? Is a person capable of lowering thoughts that are right in the top of his mind? They're always thinking about them. They can't get them off their mind. Are they able just to put them lower? That they'll no longer think about them. Again, they can't delete them. The mind doesn't delete things. It doesn't work like that. But is a person able to lower them where they're no longer relevant? in their day-to-day -day thoughts and their actions? So the answer is yes. 
The answer is that humans are capable of lowering thoughts to put them somewhere stored down under. It is humanly possible. And actually we do that often. Sometimes we do it in a good way and sometimes in not such a good way. I'll give you an example of a good way. A person goes to visit somebody who they knew for many years, people maybe they went to school with, and they walk into their house and it's a palace. Someone who didn't have any money years back when they were friendly with them, and all of a sudden they see they have such success, they cannot believe what this person has built. Now you could walk away from that and you could say, whoa, why don't I have that? How come I don't get that kind of home? And you can occupy your mind with those thoughts. Everybody will have a thought like that. Everybody will look at something that somebody else has that's exciting, that's wow, and have a thought like, oh, I wish I had that. Probably every human will have such a thought. The question is, what do you do with that thought? You have option A, is you continue to think about it, and you continue to do review on it, and you continue to wonder why you haven't gotten there yet, or what you would need to do to get there. Maybe you need more credit cards. Maybe you need to get loans. Maybe you need to find a new job. Maybe you have to move to a different neighborhood. Whatever it is, you're just occupying yourself. And, <clears throat> excuse me, a person can actually become obsessive over such a sight that they saw because they need to have that. Or a person can realize, one second, in order for me to get that, I would have to maybe work much harder. I would have to change jobs, which is risky. It's just not on my plate, it's not for me. It's not worth it. It's not worth all the effort just to get that. Out of my league, I'm done, I'm out of it. And you put it to bed, it's over, it's gone. A person can obsess over certain things that they're thinking about, or they can decide to put it away somewhere on the shelf. A person, <clears throat> we do this sometimes in thoughts that bother us or make us sad. For example, death is a thought we don't like to think about. Because we don't like to think about it, we don't think about it even though we know that death is a reality of life that will happen to every person, but we know that that thought is so upsetting and so sad that somehow we just don't think about it. Not only five-year-olds don't, don't, don't think about it, not only 10-year-olds don't think about it, you could be 90 and you don't think about it. You just don't think about it because it's not a thought that you're enjoying. So you just put it away. It's not that you don't know that death is coming. It's not that you're imagining that you're gonna live forever. It's just a thought that you know is true, but you put it somewhere away so you could live your life normally.
like I said, sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes we put away things that we should be thinking about. For example, a person has their bills piling up. Their credit card bills are way over what they can afford. And they're continuing to go charge and charge and charge. And if you ask them, by the way, when are you going to deal with this? So they say, we're not thinking about it right now. You know, when, when, when we get to that bridge, we'll cross it. Let's not worry about tomorrow's issues. That's a terrible mistake. Sometimes we don't like to open bills because we don't want to see. We don't want to know about things that are just a reality. We put them away. That isn't a good putting away. Sometimes you have to be concerned about things that are important to you. You have to watch your spending and watch what you're doing. If you see the car and it's going close to the E, to the empty by the gas, it's not a time to make believe you don't see it. Yes, sometimes we drive, we like not to look at it. I'd rather not see it. I'd rather just go look up. It doesn't matter. And then it starts to make noise. And then you look and you say, oh, maybe I need to stop. Where do I go? Do I have time to stop? Do I want to get off the highway right now? When the lights are blinking, sometimes you need to put it in the forefront. But again, we have a way of ignoring important things because they get into our way. We, we like to ignore going to the dentist. We don't want to go to the dentist because we're afraid of either the price or the pain or both. So we'd rather not go. Even though we know it's better to go, it's the right thing to go. So again, not every time we put thoughts away is that a good thing. But all I'm telling you is that we're capable as humans of taking something in our mind and not deleting it. Deleting it is not possible. Yashhenna, put it away on the shelf. Stop thinking about it. The more you think about it, the more obsessive you become and the more damaging it can become to you if it's a worry. The Pasuk ends, That's advice number one. Lower it. Stop thinking about it. Vedavar Tov, says Shlomo Amelach, advice two, Davar Tov Yesamehena, which means that it's not possible not to have thoughts on your mind. You can't leave your mind up there with no thoughts. So here you go, you went ahead and you lowered your De'aga. If you don't put something else in that vacuum, then what's going to happen is automatically the thoughts are coming right back. It's not so much, says Shlomo Melech, that you're not capable of shelving your thoughts. We think, what should I do? It's on my mind, I can't put it away. Says Shlomo Melech, you could put it away. But if you don't take step number two, then you're right back where you started. So here you go, you were successful. You put the thoughts of the Aga away, you lowered them in your mind. Says Shlomo Amelch, you must take step two. Davar tov yesamehena. You must put in davar tov. What is davar tov? On a simple level, means a good thought. Which means the opposite of what you worried about. For example, 
a woman that's pregnant and ready to give birth. And she hears some terrible news about someone who in her situation that day, and she had a very terrible experience, whatever the terrible experience is. And now she's all worried what's going to happen to her. So step number one would be yashhena, to lower it. But you must put davar tov. She should go to the park and see how many children are playing at the park. How many women, when they went to give birth, they gave birth to normal children. They had a normal childbirth. Which means that very often we take a very pessimistic side of the possibilities. And we stick on that possibility. Shlomo Amela says you must see that the good is so much more possible. That's probably what's going to happen. You must exchange the de'aga, and you must see around you all the good possibilities that should happen. Whatever it is you're worrying about, look at the flip side. Those are the simple words of Shlomo Amelech. Again, de'aga belev ish. You have worries. Stop thinking about it. Lower it. Don't obsess over it. And replace it by seeing the good that could happen as well. That's probable to happen as well. Unfortunately for us, when we read this pasuk, I think most of us will say, it's a very nice advice, perfect sense. I wish I had the button that I could just do that. I know I could do it. If he says I could do it, I could do it. But I feel the reality in our life for whatever reason is that we're going to have a very hard time actually accomplishing what Shilomo HaMelech says. It's not going to be so simple as saying, okay, let's put down the worry and let's be optimistic and then we're good to go. If it was that simple, we would just end the class here and we'll go back to our lives. But it's not that simple as you and I both know. We wish it were that simple. And this might be the solution, but it's not simple. But that's why Shlomo HaMelech, Allah Shalom, that's why listening to him and understanding his words and going in depth in his words gives you a lot more than the information of where you need to be. It's easy to say, don't worry, be happy. It's easy to give people advice. What's the worry going to help you? What does it matter? Whatever happened already happened. What's going to happen is not here yet. Live the moment. You know how many pieces of advice that people have on worry? People have all types of sayings and all types of statements, whether they come from the Torah, from Hazal, or from the world out there. And they're probably all accurate. But it's not that simple. It's not so easy to do. So while Shlomo HaMelech is giving us the solution, but the road to that solution is not as simple 
as the way he makes it sound. But like I said, the words of Shlomo HaMelech, look at the words that he used. The words he used are Yashchena. It's a very odd word. You probably never heard of that word. It's not a word you find in Tanakh. Yashchena means to lower it. But in Hebrew, there's other ways of saying lower it. Yoridena, leredet, to go down. Yashpilena. Yashchena is a very odd word to use to explain to lower something. That's what it means. But it is odd. And that's why Hazal in Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara says, Shlomo HaMelech, when he used that word, Yashchena, he was saying more than lower it. Lower it is the goal. But in the word Yashchena, there's actually advice. He's actually telling you how to do it. Because the word Yashchena, if you take the same letters, Yud, Shin, Het, Nun, He, they can also, it can also be read Yesihena. Shin could be a sin. Yesihena. Says the Gemara in Masachet Sanhedrin. You know what he means? Yashhena. Yesihena midato. Yesihena midato means distracted away from your mind. There's something in Halakha called when you took your mind off something. For example, if a person makes a beracha, the beracha is in effect, let's say they're eating, the beracha is in effect until they take their mind off the food. Whenever that is in halacha, not for today. But when your mind is finished from eating, your beracha expired. That's called heseyah hadaat. Your mind is off it. Shlomo HaMelech says, according to this, De'aga belev ish. If you have a de'aga, yesihena midato. Which means, distract yourself. Make sure you're busy. Make sure you have a schedule that is full. Don't find blocks of time that you're not doing anything. You want to lower it. You want it to stay down. You need to be active. You need to work hard. That's one of the reasons today, de'aga is a big issue. Because people don't have to work that much. It's not that the older generation was smarter. They were busy. Men used to work. But like really work, not like today's work. Today's work is phone calls, meetings. It's, we'll do a lunch together. We'll, we'll, we'll look around and see samples. We'll, it's not, I don't want to say it's not work. But it's not busy work. It's different types of work. Where people used to really be working. Like walking to the office. Like carrying things like writing with the pen on a piece of paper, like going through things and feeling and touching and doing. People were busy. But today, even 
the hard worker is not that busy. They're usually sitting on a chair somewhere by a computer, phone calls. That would be like a lot of effort today. If you had to actually call somebody, that was a, like a meeting. But rarely the people, people used to travel today, they don't need, they realize to travel as much. So people just, they're not, they're not busy. I mean, they go to work, but they're not really working. Women aren't that busy either. Used to be so much more complicated. Again, we're busy, but we're not busy physically. We're busy with things that don't occupy our mind. And therefore the human is constantly thinking about the things that are disturbing them. Says Shalom HaMelech, the solution to lower your worry is you have to be busy. Which means you gotta take a calendar and you gotta figure out how you're going to occupy your day. Exercise, play ball, go to classes, do whatever you have to do, but keep busy. That's called yesihena mitato. You have to do things to keep the worry down. Because when you're active, you're busy thinking about what you're active about. Therefore, make sure the things that you're involved in are things that you're using your mind to do. Whatever it might be. Obviously, when you choose distractions, it could be anything, as long as it's not dangerous, damaging, it's fine, it works. But then says Shlomo HaMelech, V'davar tov yesamehena. Which means, yesihena midato means, just keep busy. Again, busy in nonsense is also busy. But says Shalom HaMelech, once you're keeping busy, so you'd be smart to be involved in Davar Tov. Look for good things to be busy with. Because then, it's not only that you're distracting yourself from thinking about the problem, now you're filling, you're replacing the de'aga, yesamehenna, which means the area in your mind that was worrying, you could either occupy it with nonsense, which will make you feel better, because you're not worrying. But if you put davar tov, if you put good things in there, it will actually turn that area of your mind into a happy place. Which means worry is not a good place. You could distract the worry and you, there won't be much there. Or, my advice to you, fill it up with davar tov. Fill it up with good things. What does he mean when he says davar tov? So now I am a person who worries. So what davar tov should I fill my mind with? So I'm going to give you two suggestions. 
The first one comes from the parasha of Nazir. The Nazir is a, is a Jew who decides he doesn't want to be just a regular Jew, even though a regular Jew is also holy. He wants to be a different level. He wants to take it to the next level. The word Nazir actually means a person who has a crown. He wants to be above everybody else. Not for kavod purposes, because he wants to elevate himself. He has ambition to rise in spirituality. Beautiful. The Torah says you want to be a Nazir, I'm going to give you a prescription. This is what you need to do to become great. So let's see what those things are. Number one, as you know, a Nazir is not allowed to drink wine. Wine represents desires. It represents a person's ability, if you can control yourself, to control your desires. You're sitting around, people are drinking wine, I don't drink wine. The ability to control yourself from desires makes you a great person. That's what seems to be. The second item is, Torah says he's not allowed to cut his hair. And when he's finished the nezirut, it could be 30 days, it could be a year, or however long he wants. When he finishes, he's got to completely shave his head. Completely. Not a hair on his body. Now, neither one doesn't look great. Having crazy hair probably doesn't look so nice. And having nothing at all also doesn't look so nice. What is behind that? Why is that important to become a great person? That you either grow your hair wild or you shave it all together. But what does that have to do with being great? Wine and resisting wine, I understand. What does the hair have to do with it? The Gemara brings a famous story about Shimon HaTzadik. Shimon HaTzadik was a Kohen. And he writes as Kohanim, when the Nazir brings a Korban, the Kohen eats from that Korban. Says Shimon HaTzadik, Miyamai, Miyamai means my entire life, Lo achalti Asham Nazir Tameh. I would never partake from a Korban that the Nazir brought. brought. I wouldn't eat from it. They would say a Korban was brought by Mr. So-and-so. He, by mistake, was Mehalel Shabbat. I would eat from that Korban. A person did another Avera, he brought a Korban. I would eat from that Korban. They tell me a Nazir brought a Korban. I don't eat from that Korban. Why? Simply, simply, in that time, I guess people were excited about becoming a Nazir. Maybe it was a sign of people showing how elevated they were spiritually to show maybe how religious they were and maybe people were doing it for not such pure reasons maybe people were doing it to be recognized they wanted people to honor them people to talk about them oh you heard this guy became a nazi wow can't believe it they wanted to talk he was afraid that people were becoming nazir 
not for the right reasons. So he didn't want to take from their korban. He didn't want anything to do with to do with it. He says, I only ate one time from a korban of a nazir. What was the story? The Gemara says that one time he was in the Beta Migdash and walks in a man, a nazir, from the south of Israel, and he describes him over there, Vereitiv, I saw him, Shehu Yefe Ainaim. He had beautiful eyes, Vetov Roi, he had a beautiful face, Vekukvusotav Sedurotlo Taltalim. He had beautiful hair, gorgeous hair. And now he's coming as a Nazir, he has to shave it off. Amartilo, I said to him, Beni, my son, Maraita lehashit et se'aricha zehana'e. Why would you take something upon yourself that would make you destroy the hair, that beautiful hair on your head? What are you doing? Amarlo, so the man answered him, he says, you know, I am a shepherd for my father. And one time I went to fill up water from the pond, from the lake, and I saw my image, the image of my face in the water. I guess in those days, they didn't look at themselves that often. He never saw his face. He didn't have mirrors in his house. He never saw clear his face. For the first time, he looked down. The only face he ever saw were other people's. He never knew what he looked like. He looked down and he saw his face. He says he was very impressed with his face. He says, Upahaz alai Yitzri. He says, My Yitzhara started to play big games in my head. Ka'ava arrogance, all types of things that come when a person is very good looking. They start walking differently, they start talking differently. He said, I started to get these thoughts in my mind. I realized I'm more beautiful than anybody around. The people I see don't look like this. This is stunning, wow. And these thoughts started to come to me. He says, and amartilo, which means I said to myself, he says, I caught myself. He says, Rasha, he's calling himself a Rasha. Lama ta mitgae ba'olam she'eno shelcha. Why are you becoming arrogant in a world that doesn't belong to you? Your hair doesn't belong to you. Your face doesn't belong to you. The world doesn't belong to you. What are you taking credit for something you didn't do? That's what a ga'ava person does. A person who has ga'ava, they take credit for things that they didn't do. God gave them what they have, and they're taking the credit for it. So says this young man at that moment, is I made a swear, I'm going to shave you 
this beautiful hair that's bringing me this crazy, this crazy thought of myself, I am going to shave you, Lashem Shamayim. And that's why I became a Nazir. I wanted to take a stand, to make a statement that I'm not going to use God's gifts as weapons to hurt others or to show pride in myself. I will not do that. And I decided I'm going to become a Nazir just so I could shave it completely for a mitzvah. Says Shimon HaTzadik, Miyad, Amadati Venishaktiv Al Rosho. Says, I right away, I stood up and I kissed him on his head. Amarti lo, I said to him, Beni, my son, I wish all the people that decide to be a Nazir are like you. With the same pure intent. And I ate from his korban. Beautiful. So now, let's review. You want to be a great person? Number one, you have to control your desires. If your desires dictate what you do, in life, your desires are going to kill you. That's one. Number two, you got to lower your ka'ava. You can't allow your success to become your enemy. Enjoy what Hashem gives you. Take pleasure in what Hashem gives you. But don't take pride. Pride will destroy the person. So you want to become great? You have to remove away from Ga'ava. The way to do that through the Nazir is the hair. You either let it grow wild or you shave it completely. One, both ways are going to lower the Ga'ava that may be inside of you. And then there's a third thing. The third and final solution or ingredient for the Nazir, for the great person. Says the Torah, you want to be a great person? You cannot become Tameh. You cannot be around dead bodies. You can't be in a room with a dead body. You can't touch a dead body. You cannot walk into a cemetery. That's what the halakha for Nazir is. Not allowed to become Tameh. He cannot be on the Hevra Kadisha. Cannot. Even though it's a tremendous kindness, a chesed that he can do for so many people. Chesed shel emet a true chesed that nobody will ever know about, he can't do it. Because once you're a nazir, you're not allowed to become tameh. Now this ingredient is very surprising, maybe even shocking. Because when you read the words of Shlomo HaMelech in other places, you will realize that being in such a situation is actually a source of strength and chizuk for example, Shlomo HaMelech says, Lev hachamim, the hearts of the wise people, is bebet evel, is in the house of mourning. Which means, in the house of mourning, you can have chokhmah, you can become in touch with wisdom that maybe outside you would have missed. Shlomo HaMelech says the famous words, Tov lalechet el bet evel. It's better to go attend a funeral than to attend a, ha a wedding. If you have a choice of one or the other, 
you attend the funeral. Because he says in the funeral, you're going to gain. It's not so much that the funeral, there's a bigger mitzvah, that's not why. Because you're going to gain more from going to the funeral. When you see a person who was just here yesterday, and now they're not here anymore, then you start thinking about, so why am I here? Why was I created? Why was he created? Where am I going? What's the next stop? What am I supposed to do? All of a sudden you have these thoughts. Not necessarily they'll make a difference, but they're a start. So says Shlomo Melech, I want you to go to a funeral because there you might wake up. You may, you may wake up things that have been sleeping inside of you for 20, 30, or 50 years. So Shlomo Melech in other places talks so fondly of going to a place of metim. Being around death seems to be a good thing. Why is the Torah saying that the Nazir, you want to become great? Oh, you want to become really great? You can't be around that people. Why not? There's a Gemara on this subject in Masechet Berachot. The Gemara says that sometimes in life we have a very big war inside of us. I'm sure all of us have experienced these wars in many different situations. The Gemara says sometimes there's a very strong war inside of us between the side of us that wants to do good and the side of us that wants to do bad. There's a war. I, I do want, but I don't want. I want to go here, but I don't want to go here. I really should be doing that, but I'm not sure if I want to be doing that. All types of wars that we struggle with inside. The Gemara says, what happens if a person is experiencing a very strong attack from the Yetzirah and they want to defend themselves, what should they do? In the time, in that moment, what should they do? Everybody's had those moments in life where they feel like they're being taken over and they have no control and they don't really, they, they don't know what to do. Says the Gemara, we have a solution for you. Gemara says, Le'olam yargiz adam yetzer tov al yetzer hara. Which means, try to get the yetzer tov Try to get the good side of you to be stronger than the bad side. Whether it's your convincing arguments or whatever, whatever you could do, try to overpower your Yetzer Hara with the Yetzer Atov. Maybe tell the Yetzer Hara, you know, if I do this, you know where I'm going to end up. You know, if I go here, you know where, that's, where the next thing is going. You know what? Give the Yetzer Hatov strength to fight the Yetzirah and to beat him. Says the Gemara, Im If you were successful, you beat him. Mutav. Beautiful. You're done. You got him. You pushed him away. Ve'im lav. Says the Gemara, what happens? Plan B. What, what if this, can, this argument is not working? The passion is too much. 
The Yetzirah is too big. He's not going away with that. Uh, future, next year, we'll worry about it next year, next week. Uh, right now, I need to get something. I can't worry about that. Sometimes you think about consequences. It helps you. And sometimes it doesn't. It's just too much. Says the Gemara, now what? Says the Gemara, Ya'asok Batura. Let him go to the Bet Midrash. Let him open a sefer. Open a book. Sit down and start learning. Open up a Gemara. Open up Havot Levavot. Open up Mislag Yesharim. Go learn something. Let the Torah do its job. Says the Gemara, Im Nitzeho. If you were successful. If that works, Mutav, beautiful. That's it, you're done. You're good. Ve'im lav. But what, but what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? We went plan A, didn't work. Plan B, didn't work. Now, plan C. What's the plan C? Says the Gemara, Yikra Kiryat Shema. Let him read Kiryat Shema. Now, I don't think the way we read Kiryat Shema, I don't think that's going to do anything. Our Kiryat Shema is just mumbling words. Kiryat Shema means read Kiryat Shema with understanding what you're reading, with with the kavanot of Kiryat Shema, understanding the words, the principles. Read Shema the way it's supposed to be read. Shema is an unbelievable, powerful piece of Torah that Hashem tells us to read at least twice a day. Says the Gemara, Im if you won, if the Shema really comes through for you, you did it right, you did great, and it worked. Says the Gemara, Hazaku Baruch, you're done. Mutav, good. Ve'im lav. And what happens if it doesn't work? Let's say after you read Shema, plan C, the passion is way too much. The Gemara is basically going through different levels of passion for something bad. If it's on a level one, this could work. Level two, that could work. A level three, this could work. If it's on a level four, now what? Says the Gemara, at this point, im lav yiskor lo yom hamita. Nothing exciting here, you'll forgive me. That I have to talk about it, but it's a Gemara. The Gemara says, he needs to remind himself of Yom Hamita. Interesting. Not Mita, not death. Yom Hamita. Think about the day of death. You know, think about, he has to think about himself sitting in the box. And they carry him around. And they're crying. And they're talking about him. And the whole thing. And the Mishpacha is there. And now they're carrying him to his final resting place. Maybe they're flying him to Israel, who knows? And then finally they open the dirt and they put him inside. No, I'm sorry. I, I told you I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. But that's what it says. It's Yom Hamita. Basically, take a, a few minutes to imagine the day of death to the best of your ability. Now notice, the Gemara ends. Over here, after this one, there's no ve'im lav, and let's say it doesn't work. 
What, what if this work? Basically, what I was telling you, this is going to work. This will work. There's no imlav. There's no, oh, if you did it, great. If not, you're good. This one takes the cake. Beautiful. Now, anyone learning this Gemara would say, one minute. There seems to be something wrong here. Wise people, they don't like to waste our time. They say, listen, try A. A doesn't work, try B. B doesn't work, try C. And if C doesn't work, then try D. Because D for sure will work. D is going to work for sure. So any smart person would say to the rabbi, forgive me, if D for sure will work, so why are you wasting my time with A, B, C? Let me just do this D. It's a good question. Why is Gemara going in steps when we know this works? So the answer to this question is very similar to an answer that a doctor would give his patient. Imagine a doctor tells his patient, listen, your situation is rough. It's rough. We can try to fix it. He says, I suggest you take this medicine. See how it goes after a day or two. If it works, great. It doesn't, take this one. If it works, great. If not, take the third one. And if that doesn't work, if all three don't work, for sure this one's going to work, take this one. A patient might ask, doctor, what do I have to take so much medicine for? Let me just take the, the last one. So everyone knows the answer why that's not a good question. Because the fourth one is a great medicine. It's going to knock out all the sickness in the person. But it also might knock out a lot of good things along the way. So we try to avoid that. We don't want to go too strong. Because when you go too strong, you can knock out good things with the bed. And that's nobody's desire. And that's what the Gemara is saying. Yom Amita, remembering the day of death, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a, whoa, start shaking on that. Who wants to think about that? Look, I spoke about it for three seconds. I saw you guys ready to check out. He's not telling you to hear it. Think about it yourself and put yourself in there. Well, that's some serious heavy dosage. That's going to knock out your Yetzirah. It's going to take him and squeeze him and destroy him. Unfortunately, along the way, he's also going to knock out the Yetzirah Tov. You're going to knock out the good part of you too. Because that image, that feeling, is not a good feeling either. It doesn't bring you Simha, that feeling. It doesn't make you excited, that feeling. It may bring you down. And then you're hurting yourself too. So we try to avoid that solution. That's not the best solution. If you have no choice, you have no choice. But we learn from that such an important principle. That being around death 
puts you in a bad mood may make you unhappy. And if you want to be a great person like a Nazir, you can't be around unhappiness. You can't be around situations of death or anything of that nature. That is the solution to the Nazir. The solution to the Nazir is you need to be around happiness. Be around happy situations. Be around happy people. Davar tov When you distract yourself, you can distract yourself with anything, really. But you'd be smart to distract yourself and to be while you're distracted with good people. Good people are people who appreciate. People who say, Baruch Hashem, things are good. People who don't complain. Being around complainers is not a good place to be. Because when you're around people who are pessimistic, people who have always complaints on others, and on and on, you could fill in the rest, those people are like a virus. Of course, once in a while, you hear your friend when they're down. I don't mean that. But if this is who the person is, this is their personality, you'd be doing a great thing to separate yourself from such an environment. Now, if you're married to someone like that, I'm not sure how I can help you. <laughs> Now, if you're good friends, say you're so close to her like that, it's very hard. But actually, I could help you. I could help you. You know, in life we learn, Torah teaches us that we never look around and blame what's out there. If my wife isn't happy, She's complaining all the time. She's in a bad place. Then I have to view that as my problem and my challenge. Because it could very well be that if I was behaving the right way and I was saying the right things, I would actually change the people around me. I'm going to give you an example of that. We just read Parashat Vayikra. Parashat Vayikra begins with the words Vayikra El Moshe. Hashem calls Moshe Vaydaber Adonai Elav Meohel Moed Lemor. He calls Moshe, he says, Moshe, Moshe. And then he speaks to him with instruction. Rashi brings the Midrash that asks, why over here does he call him? We've seen those words, Vaidaber Adonai El Moshe Lemor, so many times in the Torah. Anyone who hasn't heard those words needs to get some help. 
Ba'idaber Adonai El Moshe Lemor. It's, it's, you can't, every parasha in the Torah is full. Ba'yomer Adonai El Moshe Lemor. Hashem is talking to Moshe. He's saying to Moshe. He's commanding Moshe. Never does it say, Ba'yikra. He called Moshe. He just speaks to him. Why over here, at the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, it says, He called Moshe. Vayikra el Moshe. Why? So Rashi says, Allah wa shalom, that actually this was not a unique incident. Rather, this is the rule that we can use for every time God spoke to Moshe. The Torah does this. When the Torah tells you one time something, it's meant to be a rule for always. The Torah is going to write every single time, It doesn't need to do that. We're intelligent people. So the Torah says it once. It's called a binyan av. Binyan av means it builds the rule once. And on your own intelligent person, you understand to apply it everywhere. So says Rashi, Lechol hadiberot. Every time Hashem spoke to Moshe, he would call him first. And every time he says, Vayomer, he would call him first. And every time he commanded him, he would call him first. Says Rashi, why would he call him? Rashi says, Lashon Derech Haiba. It's a show of endearment, of love. Hashem wants to show him Ahava. Now, we need to learn what that means. You know, because this situation is a situation we find ourselves in all the time. This Vayikra El Moshe Vaydaber, we're in it all the time. How many people in your life would you love to say something to them that they will hear you? It could be a husband, it could be a wife, it could be a child, it could be a parent. Could be a friend, could be a student. We're not talking about things that aren't so clear. How many things in your life right now about somebody else in your life that they matter to you, that you would just love if they could just hear what you're saying in this point? You may not be an expert in everything, but this one you're pretty clear. If they would just do A, oh, their life would be so much better off. If they would just not do A, I bet every person in this room could tell me not one or two, probably multiple things and multiple people that they wish they would be able just to say that one thing and they would accept it from them and their life would change. And if I ask you, how are you doing in this area? You're probably going to tell me I'm not doing so great. Because we all know is a very hard item. Especially people that are close to you. To say something to your teenage son 
You have to pray three tefillot before you open your mouth. Everything and anything you say or don't say can be used against you. How many times have you heard like a month later? And by the way, remember when you told me that? And they understood it totally backwards. So you see, you don't respect me when you know that that wasn't what happened. But let me tell you, to affect the people in our lives, especially those that we care about and we're close to, we need to learn how do you get from point A, which is in you, in your mind, to point B in their mind. Imagine you could just do that. Imagine I gave you a shot with each guy, just one. You got one bullet for each person. You would change their life and your life together. This pasuk is an amazing pasuk. Because you have a teacher. You have a student. Now, there has no... There has not been a student in the history of mankind like Moshe Rabbeinu. A student. Could you imagine? Moshe is your student. This humble, wise man that just wants to learn. That's all he wants. Usually, students don't want to learn. Usually, they get annoyed when you want to teach them. And even if they're there, they get tired. They get bored. Moshe Rabbeinu. The greatest student in the history of mankind is Moshe Rabbeinu. Who's the teacher? The greatest teacher of all time. You can't get a better teacher than the creator of the world. What a what a class. What a what a conversation this is. You're getting instruction from the creator of the world, the greatest in the world, to the greatest on earth, Moshe Rabbeinu. How smooth is that going to go? How beautiful is that going to go? How much is going to be taken by Moshe Rabbeinu from the creator of the world as he teaches him? And yet, says the Pasuk, Hashem would never talk to Moshe Rabbeinu until he calls him and says, he would never walk into a class and say, come on, let's learn. Never do that. He would say, Moshe, Moshe, I love you. He would say words. Maybe Moshe, Moshe in your house isn't going to work. That's not the point. I don't suggest you go now and say, Yosef, Yosef, and now he's ready for you. The point is, you need, before you can teach someone, I mean, you could teach them. But before they're ready to accept from you, they have to feel and know that you love them. Now, you probably are going to ask me right now. I tell my kids all the time. They don't listen to me. I love them. I didn't say you have to love them so that they could listen to you. I said they have to know that you love them. That's a very big condition that I would say most 
Young people for sure don't have. Most young people do not feel the love of their parents. It's surprising to some maybe, shocking to others. It's a reality. Most young people, they view their parents like they look at vending machines. Imagine a vending machine that was free. Beautiful. Do you love the vending machine? Do you feel the vending machine loves you? No. It's just the way you grew up. The vending machine is there for you. Not necessarily because you love your children. Does that mean they know that you love them? But what do you mean? I do so much for them. I've done so much for them. How could they not know that? Not, not the time today to go over that. But I'm telling you the reality. The reality is that even though they might know somewhere in the back of their mind that you love them, but they don't feel it. They don't live with that love. And the Creator is teaching us that if you're teaching somebody and you're telling something to someone and they don't feel that you love them, then you're wasting your time trying to help them or teach them. Even the greatest teacher with the greatest student without a conduit called Ahava, without Vayikra El Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem Elav, isn't going to work. Which means that me and you may not be doing a good enough job around the people in our lives. For example, we'll say that this person is always complaining or that boy is always doing A or B. We need to take that responsibility to change them. And you'll say, but how do I do that? They don't listen to me. Yeah, they don't listen to you because it could be you're not doing Vayikra El Moshe. You're not building that pipeline where you're able to teach them. When do, you build, when do you build the pipeline? Not necessarily in the same conversation. You know, every father and mother needs to know when their child is one month, two months, not one month, maybe a little older. But when you walk into that house, you're building Vayikra El Moshe. When you walk into your home and you compliment people and you give them a warm Hello, and you recognize them. When they walk into the house, you greet them. When you go out of the, your way, in your home, to show the people in that home how much you respect them, and how much you love them, and how much you believe in them, that's all building, you're, you're planting the seeds of the ability to help them. You can't wake up one day and help a kid just because you think he has a problem. There's so much that has to be. Built ahead of time before you could do that. You got to build the building first 
and only then are you able to use it. So every father and mother and every friend needs to know that before you're able to do your vaidaber, before you can get through to the people in your life that you care about, you need first to build Vayikra El Moshe. It may take days, it may take months, it probably takes years in the right way. So never say the people in my life are just rotten. Again, if you can just leave them, and that's not a problem, so leave them. It may not be worth your investment. Be with happy people. Be with appreciative people. Be with people that every time you see them, they have a smile on their face. And they have a nice word to say. If you could choose your environment, that's what you do. And if you tell me, but I can't choose my environment, I'm stuck. I got my people, I have my friends, I have my family. I'm stuck. It is what it is. If you're stuck, then it means you're not stuck. Meaning, if Hashem made you stuck somewhere, so it must be you're not stuck. It must be that you can change the situation. If you can walk away, then maybe that's what you should be doing. But if you can't walk away, then that's in order. That's Hashem sending you a mission. Yes, you can change the people around you. Don't ever think that you are nobody. What can I do? Nobody listens to me. No one pays attention to me. I'm irrelevant. Vayikra el Moshe is the solution to helping so many people around us in our lives. So never say the people around me aren't good. It is what it is. It's a mistake. We're not doing enough. We must do more to create such an atmosphere. That's davar tov. Says Shalom let's, let's review again. You have worries in your mind? You got to lower that worry. How? Says Hazal, you got you to gotta distract yourself. Keep busy. Be involved in things. But says Shalom Yes. But if you do good things, if you're around good people while you're being distracted, you could be distracted anywhere. You could be distracted doing anything, watching anything, reading anything. You could read this horrible book about life, this scary book about, it'll distract you too. But even if it distracts you, it's momentary and it could be after you finish reading it, you get worse than when you started. So says Shlomo Amelch, when you distract yourself, position yourself with davar tov. Position yourself with good things. Be around the right people. I told once a person who was struggling with something, and after talking to him, it was clear that he had no light in his life. His home wasn't great. His parents' relationship with him, not great. His partner and him are fighting. So imagine a guy, after talking to him, he goes from the office, that's miserable, 
he goes home, that may be more miserable, and then he goes back to his office, and then he goes to shul and doesn't really talk to anybody or doesn't. So I told him, I said, you know, I want to tell you something. I said, you need to come to shul at six o'clock in the morning. He said, remember, I'm not religious. I told him, I know. And I'm not telling you to be religious. I said, you need to be around happy people. I said, you come in the morning, people see you, good morning. Wow, guys get a good morning the whole day. Good morning, have a good day. People are smiling. People are warm. People are happy. You need a good hour of that a day. Even if you sit and learn nothing. Just being in a room with people who are just involved in something good. Not trying to kill each other. The world out there, everyone's trying to kill each other. Everyone's trying to be ahead of the other guy. You need that hour. And that's the truth. Today you don't have to be so religious to go to a class. You need it just for your sanity. Where, where are you going to find people? You turn on the news, there's nuclear wars coming. You, you go down the block, people are this. You go down, every, everywhere you go. Where do you find a place that people are just sitting there, they're enjoying, they're laughing, they're learning, they're smiling, they're greeting each other? That's called Davar Tov. Says Shlomo Melech, when you're distracting yourself, although you could choose any kind of distraction, but choose to be around people that's Tov. People that are happy. People, people that are doing something that's going to make you Sameach as well. I'd like to suggest one more explanation of Davar Tov. When Hashem gave us the Torah, He told us, Ki tov natati lachem, Torati al ta'azov. Hashem says, this Torah that I'm going to give you, it's got laws, it's got ideas, it's got stories, but in the language of the Creator, He says, I'm giving you not a constitution, which it is, not a storybook, which it is, not God's thoughts, which it is, but in Hashem's own language, He's, I'm giving you a lekah tov. I'm giving you a good deal. Which means the Torah is tov. Davar tov yesamehena. The Torah that Hashem gave us is Tov. When we learn Torah, we're spending our time not just in distraction. We're spending our time in a, a beautiful acquisition. That's what the Gra says. The Gaon says, Davar Tov Yesamehena and Tov Ela Torah. 
Torah is the Tov. There's no greater Tov, says the Gaon. Ki kol hanoten alav ol Torah. Someone who accepts upon himself the yoke of Torah to learn Torah. Porkim mimenu adagot. He will unload of worries. Shlomo Melech. Distract yourself with what? You can go to the racetrack. You can go to a baseball game. You can go on vacations. You can fly kites. Many distractions. But Davar Tov, the greatest Tov that you could do when you're looking for a distraction is something that's really good. It's not just occupying your time. It's actually Davar Tov. When a person has the agot, it means, in his mind, it should mean it's a call for action. When a person has worries in their mind, it's a call for action that their mind needs to be filled up with tov. The agot are a disease that can destroy the person, as we learned last week. If you feel the agot in your life, it means the solution is to fill up your mind with the vartov. We see in the Midbar that Am Yisrael was complaining about the man. They were complaining they didn't like the man. They got tired of the man every day. They ate man. And they came crying to Moshe Rabbeinu. They told him, we had it. We can't handle the man anymore. We miss all the foods that we used to eat. Remember, in the desert, they only had man. And they had it daily. There were no refrigerators. There were no cabinets. There were no storage. Every day they ate man. In the morning, they got it, they ate it for the day. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu all worked up about this man. And the Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu went to Hashem and says, hard work to understand how Moshe could say this. Why have you done this bad to me? How can I carry this nation on my back? What do they want from me? Moshe Rabbeinu got very frustrated, which is for a different class, why he got so frustrated. Finally, he tells Hashem, I can't do it. I can't deal with these people. They want to eat meat. Where am I getting the meat from? I cannot carry this nation. They're too heavy for me. They're too heavy. I can't. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, okay. Gather 70 elders and they're going to help you. 
And the obvious question is, what are the 70 elders going to do? They had a problem. They didn't like the man. They wanted food. They wanted meat. They wanted a pantry. What are the 70 elders going to do to solve that problem? Maybe if they got 70 hunters to go out and figure out how to get animals and bring them back to the meat barn, maybe that would help. Go get 70 farmers to go somewhere and get food. What are 70 elders going to do to help this problem? It's not like they came to him and said, we're bored. That we need people to teach us. They didn't come and say, you know, we have all these court cases and nobody's taking care of them. Then you need elders. We don't have leadership. Then you need elders. They had a problem. They want meat in a place where there is no meat. They don't want man when man is the only thing they have available every day. What are 70 elders? How does that solve the problem? So the answer is to this question is to understand what their problem was. Why didn't they like the man? What's so bad about the man? The Pasuk and Parashat Ekev, when describing the man, look at the words. Vay'annecha Hashem in the desert caused you affliction, suffering. Vay'ara'ivecha and he made you hungry. Vay'ya'achilecha et haman asher lo yadata and he fed you man. What's the suffering? What's the hunger that comes with the man? I thought the man could be anything you want, could taste like anything you want. What was so bad about the man? Why is the pasuk calling the man vayanecha? Hashem caused you suffering with this man. The Gemara in Masechet Yoma, this, to explain the pasuk, hamaachilecha man bamidbar lemaan anotecha. Hashem gave you midbah in the desert man in order to cause you affliction. There was a certain amount of suffering with the man. What? What, what was the suffering? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Ameh Rabbi Aseh. Look what we, one one said. Had Amar. Eno dome. You can't compare. Mishayesh lo pat besalo. Someone who has bread in his basket. Le en lo pat besalo. Someone whose basket is empty. Meaning, if I have food in my basket, I'm not worried. If my basket is empty, it could be tomorrow it's going to be full. But I feel I'm worried. You have to remember, in the desert, the man came down, they ate, and that's it. There are no snacks. No midnight snacks by the man. Can't do that. And is it going to come down tomorrow? Am I getting man tomorrow? I don't know. Imagine every day living, not knowing if tomorrow you're going to have food on the table. That's not so easy. Says the Gemara, that was the problem of the man. They had no food in their basket. They went to sleep every night, not knowing if they would have bread tomorrow. And guess what? They were worried. They have their children. They have their infants. 
They have needs. You know what we do to prepare for food? We're preparing a week ahead. You're having Friday night dinner from Tuesday you're shopping. You're making sure everything is ready. You make you have extras just in case. You never know who comes in. You never know if they don't like one, they'll eat the other. With the man, you don't know what's gonna be. You have nothing. So what caused this, according to this Gemara? <laughs> they were worried. They were worried about tomorrow's food. They couldn't handle it anymore. We just want regular food to peed our pantry. We want to live like regular people who, like us, we go to sleep at night and we have a full pantry. We have a full refrigerator. We have boxes of cereal ready. It gives us peace of mind. Ah, we have pat besalah. We have bread in our basket. We don't have to worry. Is tomorrow going to, we're going to have food tomorrow? It's not like that. That's their concern. They had the aga. They were worried. I, I can't blame them. So what was the solution when they worried? Hashem says, gather 70 elders. What are 70 elders going to do? 70 elders are going to teach them Torah. Because a mind that's full of de'aga needs an infusion of Torah. They were learning Torah in the desert always. The generation of the Midbar is called Dor De'a. They had nothing else to do, by the way. There were no businesses, there was no work, there was no agriculture, they weren't building homes, they had nothing to do. They spent 40 years learning Torah, so they called Dor De'a. But yet, when they had De'aga, that was a sign, your mind has too much empty space. And you need to fill it with Davar Tov. If they're complaining and worrying about the man of tomorrow, we need elders to come and give them more shiurim, more Torah. Davar tov A person who's feeling that the worries are taking them over must know this piece of information. <coughs> must know that Shlomo Amelech is telling you and I, you need to fill up your mind with Vartov. Yes, get good friends, good people around you, but the greatest good is the good of the Torah. That was Hashem's solution to a problem in the desert. Torah, besides being a mitzvah, Shlomo Melech says, Yekarahi mi peninim. The Torah is not just a book of laws. The Torah is more precious than pearls. Vekol hafatzecha lo yishvuba. There isn't says Shlomo Melech in Mishle. You don't have anything in your inventory. Not in your physical one. Not in your relationship inventory. Not in your spiritual inventory. There is nothing in your inventory that is quite as valuable as the Torah. The Pasuk says, Ki hen hem Look at these beautiful words. 
I hope I can explain them properly. The words of Mishle says Shlomo Amech. You know what Torah is like? Livyat hen hem leroshecha. They're like the word Livyat means they accompany. Hen means grace. Hen means you have all types of beauty on you. That people look at you and they're attracted to you from the beauty that you have. The Torah accompanies a person's mind. Which means the Torah puts in your mind all the thoughts and the ideas that your head needs in order to live a beautiful life. The Torah is like a beautiful choker, a beautiful gold choker on your neck, meaning your words start to come out different when you have Torah in your life. You think different and you talk different and it's with you every step of the way. David HaMelech says, Torah Adonai Temima, it's complete Meshivat Nafesh. It brings back your soul. Just as you think your soul is about to leave you, you think you're about to give up, it's over, I can't deal with it anymore. Life is too difficult, it's too much. One thing could return your soul. Meshivat Nafesh, it brings your soul back or it calms your soul. The word Meshivaka means to calm as well. I'm going to read for you something I saw written by a man who was going through a very, very difficult time. And he writes, here are his words. He says, when I got into my difficult situation, whatever it was, he says, I started to learn Torah. He says, even though I couldn't focus completely because my mind was not all there, I continued to stay strong. He says, I understood that even though I had all these issues and worries, I knew that without Torah, I would be completely lost. He says, the Torah gave me a new level of pleasure, a new level of life that I didn't have before. Like the Pasuk says, Pekudeh Hashem Yesharim Mesam Halev. The Torah brings simha to the person. That's why we're not allowed to learn Torah on Tisha B'Av. He says, I knew clearly, he writes, just to distract myself from the thoughts that are worrying me. He says, it's not possible. Because a person, he says, Ki Adam Tzarich Lachshov Mashiach. You got to think something. He says that it's not possible just to put away a thought without putting something that is beautiful in its place. That's what the Torah does to a person. The Torah brings simchat to a person's mind. Now what kind of Torah? All kinds. A man sits down to learn Gemara. Tremendous. Brings simchat to a person's life learns Mishnah. A person opens up a book of Musa. Open up Mesilat Yesharim. Do a study on something about Tefillah. But take it seriously. Just take it out. Learn it. Review it. 
I recommend to all people, this, you don't have to be so smart. You don't have to be so learned. Everybody should have books and books in their library of biographies of great people. We spoke earlier about being with great people. When you read a book about a person's life, it's almost like being with them. You're with them for a week, a month, a day. Depends how long the book takes you. But you're with them and you're watching them in action and you're seeing their struggles and you're seeing their decisions and you're watching their reactions. You open up the book of the great Rosh Hashiva, Alava Shalom, of the Mir, Ramnasan Sri Finkel. And you read that book. You're not the same person after that book. It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot be the same person after you read a book about that man. When you finish that book, you say, I'm a different person. Because when you read a, you read a book about a man who's over 30 years with Parkinson's disease, 30 years with Parkinson's, but yet accomplished probably more than any man on the planet. He's running yeshivas. He has 8,000 students. He's teaching Torah. He's giving shiurim daily. He's building. He, he took in with Parkinson's. He went from 1,000 to 8,000 students. He built buildings, real estate. He would go collect money coming to America, going to around the world. And you're reading that? That's being around great people. Libraries should be full of biographies, one by one. This person, this great man, this great woman. I wish they would have written a biography on every one of our great-grandparents. Because each one of them could have a book written on them. And it wouldn't be enough to describe their life. To describe what they accomplished. Unfortunately, we don't have a book on every single one. But we have much more than they ever had. Today, Hashem blessed us with the printing press, with the ability to distribute books like never before. How could a house not have all these personalities living with them? They're living monuments of Davar Tov. person's bed should be have a book next to it. You go to sleep. Five minutes, ten minutes. The Yetzirah probably wouldn't let you have more than five minutes. It'll put you to sleep very fast. You're having a problem sleeping? You get those books. You'll be sleeping in no time. These are great people. You're spending time with them. So special. That's also called Torah learning. Torah learning isn't only about laws. Torah is learning about the great personalities and the great stories, and the great accomplishments. That's why Hashem says, That's how we started this class. I started this class by telling you that De'aga, De'aga is a weapon of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is very much alive in you as it is in me. And he has one mission in life, only one. He wants to destroy you. That's it. Not to destroy your olam haba. He wants to destroy you. Step by step. Every person that ever jumped off the building and killed himself, the Yetzirah worked on him 
one bite at a time. When they were 16, 16 and a half, 17, 18, 19, and they got them to a certain point and boom, they're gone. The Yetzirah has one mission in life and that is to destroy the person. Why that is, is for a different class. That's the reality. And the Havot Le'avot told us that the Yetzirah, one of his weapons to take you down is De'aga, is to keep you worried. Hashem says, listen to these words. And with this I end. Barati, Hashem says, I created the Yetzirah. You're going to try to fight your Yetzirah the way you think would work. Maybe I'll do here, maybe I'll go there, maybe I'll... All types of things people do to distract their mind. Hashem says, just remember, I created the Yetzirah. As the creator of the Yetzirah, I know the formula. I know his weakness. Barati Yetzirah. Barati lo. I have created for him, meaning against him, Torah Tevalin. The Torah is the spice. It's the remedy. It's the refuah. The refuah of the Yetzirah, when he comes at you with worries, is you got to fill up your mind with Torah. You go to Shi'urim. You go to classes. Your mind becomes full. You're in a car. Put on a class. You're driving somewhere. Don't waste the time thinking. Yes, you could distract yourself with conversations with people. or And sometimes that's okay. But have something ready. Davar tov. Have a book next to you when you're home and you have a few minutes. Go out and learn. Go out. And be involved in Torah. Livyat hen leroshecha. It gives your head a whole new perspective. You become a healthy person. Notice, by the way, that Hashem calls the Torah Tevalin. Tevalin, really, you should have said, I know the Yesara, I know his weapons, I have the Refuah. The word refuah means the medicine. But Hashem doesn't say refuah. I created against him tevalin. The word tevalin means spices. Spices are the things you put in your pasta. Spices are the things that you add to make things taste better. Why would Hashem say, I made the spice of Torah that fights the Yetzirah? What he's telling you is that this medicine of Torah, unlike the other medicine that isn't so enjoyable, this medicine is sweet. This medicine makes your life much sweeter than it ever was. So it's not just a medicine to knock them out. It actually takes your life to a whole new level of sweetness. This is the Davar Tov that David Melech says, Lule Toratecha Sha'ashu'ai says David Melech. Look at these words. Who can say better words than David Melech? Look at these words. Lule Toratecha Sha'ashu'ai. If not, he tells Hashem in Perek Kofiutet 119 by Lamed. He says, If not, that your Torah was my enjoyment. If not for that Torah, 
از عبدی به آنی Today I would be lost If you're wondering How could it be that a person like you Could ever feel lost Aren't you smarter than that? Aren't you more successful than that? How can I ever feel lost in my mind? How can I ever feel like I want to give up? How can I feel so much worried that it's weighing down my brain? Am I not better than that? Well, let me remind you. We're not better than David Amelach. David Amelach, all his greatness says, if I didn't have the Torah by me, if I didn't have the ability to fill my mind with Torah, I would be a lost soul. As avati be'oni. Torah is the tevalim. This is the davar tov of David Amelach, of Shlomo Amelach. So let's review today. We spoke about the strategy to fight the Yetzirah. Says Shlomo Amelach, lower it, don't think about it. We said it's possible, but it's probably very hard to do. But even as you lower it, you gotta fill it up with something. You lower it, you can by distracting, like the Amelach says, be busy. It's a good thing to be busy. But make sure you're busy with things that are good around good people. And if the people around you aren't as good and happy as you would like, then maybe it's your responsibility to make them happier. By putting in all of the seeds of Vayikra El Moshe to make them Tavartov. Again, if you're not stuck with them, maybe it's a sign you should leave. But if you're stuck, then it's an assignment. Because that means you can make them Tavartov. It's your responsibility. And the greatest Tov is the Tov of Torah. Surround yourself with Sfarim, with books, Put yourself time that you're going to bring Torah into your precious mind. And it will be the spice, not the medicine, the spice of the Yetzirah's weapon of worry. It will turn everything in our life into a different direction. Baruch Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.